Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. The campaign is Horror on the Orient Express. It's available from Chaosium. I am the Keeper of the Secrets, and this is episode 17. Our recap will be given by Morgan Llewellyn as his character, Dr. Gabriel Neruda. So without any further delays, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Morgan? Dr. Gabriel Neruda, the Hotel Central, Lausanne, Switzerland, January 14th, 1923. Dr. Henry Armitage, Library Building, Miskatonic University, Arkham, Massachusetts, United States. My dear Dr. Armitage, I hope you can forgive my absence in the promised correspondence after telling you about using my sabbatical for research for a research tour in Europe. There have been many Marvel's discoveries already, though they have been intermixed with matters both strange and terrible. While I do not have time to write you a letter in full detail of the events, I shall do my best to provide a general outline of what has occurred over the last two weeks. On the arrival of myself and my traveling companions in London, we attended the Challenger Lecture at the behest of Dr. Julius Arthur Smythe, who you probably remember as a scholar and gentleman of the highest order. A few days later, on the 6th of January, there was a fire at Dr. Smythe's abode. The place was reduced to ashes, and Smythe and his butler, James Beddoes, barely escaped with their lives, giving a report of being assaulted by madmen from Constantinople. These men wanted to know about the professor's research into an artifact known as the Sedefgar Simulacrum, associated with an obscure esoteric religious cult who worship a being known as the Skinless One. It is most likely that this group of dangerous men are a part of this religious cult, given that they carve the words Derezi Olan Untalmalas, or the Skinless One cannot be ignored slap slash forgotten into poor Smythe's chest. I apologize for the graphic detail, my friend, but it would not do to leave out such things uh, in order to provide full context. Smythe and Beddoes had intended to go after the simulacrum in order to destroy it, believing it to be a conduit for weird and unknowable powers, but we're now no longer in a position to do so. My companions and I have set out to do the work that they are unable to complete, to gather together the pieces of the simulacrum in order to destroy it in the Penelli Kami Mosque in Constantinople. It has so far involved exhaustive travel and research, hence my lack of letters. In Paris, we did research into the German Viscount named John Avere, who was the last known owner of the Sedefgar simulacrum in its totality. Rumors have it that the simulacrum has split into pieces um, after the Viscount was executed in 1789. Some pieces are supposed to be in Vienna, Milan, Trieste, and Sofia. We have recovered one piece so far, buried beneath the grounds of the Viscount's old estate, amid terrible dungeons of torture and death, left forgotten beneath, beneath the ground. After leaving Paris, we all experienced what I can only call a collective dream vision, where we traveled to another reality of sorts. There are numerous references to these dreamlands in your library, I believe, and I would be curious to hear your thoughts on their veracity. Um, their veracity. There was also a journal of Smythe that we have read uh, detailing the encounter he had, he and some former associates, now deceased, of his had with the cult of the Skinless One, along with another organization, the cult of the Blood Red Fez. We've come to Lausanne in order to speak with the one Edgar Wellington regarding a Byzantine scroll related to the simulacrum and how to destroy it. He lived with his invalid brother, William, who had suffered terrible injuries during the Great War and could not speak. These two Englishmen ran a taxidermist shop together. To my dismay, when we arrived to try to procure the scroll, Edgar had also invited a certain Duc Jean Flores de Ascentis to our meeting in order to create a bidding war for the scroll. 
I went on a walk with this duke to discuss the matter, uh, stating that studying the scrolls would suffice for my purposes, so I would have no motivation to bid against him if he would allow me to have some time to study it. There were plans to meet later that evening at 8 p.m. in a cafe to go over the matter um, with a group called the Seven Stars Club, who was supposedly met for a philosophical discussion. When we went to the cafe, we were only met by one person, a Maximilian von Willingham, um, who was uh, who turned out was only there to delay us. Uh, annoyed and concerned, we went back to the taxidermist shop to confront Edgar and the Duke, but we found that the Wellington brothers had been murdered. There's also strong evidence that Edgar was in the habitual use of drugs, including a substance that may allow a sleeper to enter the aforementioned dreamlands. It is a dreadful matter, and I wish that I had more research and books to share with you as opposed to all this danger, death, and intrigue. Um, and that brings me to some matters of which you might take a great interest. Um, we have come across references to various rare texts as part of our research. Uh, there is the mention of the El Imagini del Divallo, kept in the Mary Queen of Heaven's Church. The Whispering Fez, extracts of which were contained in Smythe's journal. I have enclosed copies of said extra extracts with this letter and the Unus Frecklican Colton by Frederick von Junt. If the Wellingtons are anything to go by, rare and esoteric books are a dangerous thing to deal in. I advise you to take great precautions regarding the collection at Miskatonic. I hope to be able to write more about research and books than about madness and death in the future. Until then, take care of yourself. I know those of us on this journey are trying our best to do the same. Yours sincerely, Gabriel. P.S. Should you come across any text that you may think helpful to my cause, please forward me the reference. All right. So who at the moment is in the kitchen? I am with the body of the deceased brother. Okay. Um, so William is lying. His brother. What was his brother's name? William and Edgar. It, yeah, William is on the floor. Um, I would like you to do a, we're going to call it spot hidden, but it's really smell hidden. So if you're in the kitchen, you can all do it. Yes, this is a hard success. I hope the gas is not on. Well, you are thinking that at the moment, and but you do notice that you smell, you're, you, you, it smells as if maybe they were baking something which oh, yeah. is odd. Um, this is also not a bad place to hide something in a hurry. Let us make sure the stove is cold. Nothing uh, is It is lit. cold. And um, inside is anything? Yeah. Inside, there is like a baking sheet. And lying on the baking sheet is a piece of paper. It's a parchment paper. Um it looks like it's maybe oh, uh, three feet long and uh, maybe uh, only a foot or so wide. It's kind of curled up in the heat. It's brown. Yeah. It's singed around the edges. Um, oh, yeah. So I look for a cloth or bit, and I will uh, take it out before there is more damage. It, it's not hot. Oh, yeah. Um, does there look writing look Arabic or Persian? There's there's no writing on it at all. It's completely blank. Um, mm. uh, do a 
Perhaps they are forging a scroll. What do you think of this, Dabrowski? Yeah, it definitely looks like modern parchment paper. Uh, they are using the animal skin to make a false scroll to fool someone. Yes, by the looks of it. Although we should test it with uh, acid and things and make sure that there is nothing chemical hidden here. But yeah, I think they just want to age it and see if they can make a fool of us. Yes. Uh, yeah, so we'll definitely have to run a couple of tests. I'll take a kitchen cloth of some kind and, and roll them together so it's a little protected. Okay. And I'm um, trying not to step too much on the brother's blood. I'm trying to step not at all on the brother's right. blood because we have to call the we have to call the police soon. Remember, we don't want to be found here with these two. Uh, you also mentioned that you were going to check the taxidermy to see if you could find anything. Yes, that's what I was doing. So, Gabriel, you're are you doing that alone downstairs? I think so. Okay. Um. You'd mentioned specifically the bear. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and do a spot hidden for me. I should probably have pulled my character sheet up. That would have been helpful. See, that is a 30. And as soon as this loads, my apologies. Thirty is a hard success. Okay, so you go over to the bear. Um, it's 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 kind of interesting because I mean the taxidermy shop feels creepy just as it is because there's all these dead animals staring at you. Um, you go over to the bear; it's pretty fearsome. Uh, and as you start to examine the bear, you realize that. The workmanship that these two brothers have put into this is exquisite. You have difficulty finding even where the seams are, you know, where they've had to stitch things up. Um, it seems pretty well stitched up, not like something that you could open easily or gain access to without tearing it open, uh, which wouldn't make sense if he hid something inside of it that you would be willing to tear it open. Right. Okay. So you're thinking so it's, it's just... probably not there. But it could be, you look around and you realize that it could be. <laughs> There's all sorts of all sorts of things in the room. From large things to small things. Do you want to continue yeah. to search? Yeah. Yep. All right. I'm looking for a place so, where he might have hidden it. So you continue to search. Um Meanwhile, still back upstairs, uh, Dr. Edison has found the drugs, um, which are labeled Dream Lozan and Morphine. Um, what would you like to do, Dr. Edison? Uh, we're positive that this is a dead body. I want to, I just want to. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. All right. And you're pretty sure he's been OD'd. Oh, that's right. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll gather the bottles and syringe if there is syringe and uh, pocket those, put them away safely. And uh, 
Gunter. Yes. Gunter, we we need to leave. There's nothing more that we can do for him. And you see that Gunter has found the journal. And how big of a journal are we talking? Like uh, something that could easily fit fit inside a coat pocket, inside coat pocket? Well, uh, maybe not. It's a little big for that. Okay. But it's something you could you know, slip inside or. Gotcha. I mean, okay. Not that you need to conceal it from anybody. It's 11 right. o'clock at night. And... I'm going to quickly flip to the last page. What I'm hoping for is like it goes, hey, I've got some people coming. I'm going to put the scroll somewhere, you know, like it, and it says. Okay. Well, do you want to read it out to everybody or just read it yourself? Uh, since we're kind of in a rush, I'll probably just read it to myself real fast. Okay. Like I said, that's what. And then you'll inform everybody afterwards. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is what you read. November 3rd, 1920. It would have suited our family better if we had died in the war. Dead heroes are more convenient than the broken living. March 5th, 1921. Now we are in Switzerland. Here we can live in peace. September 17th, 1921. The Duke's knowledge of the occult is without equal. When I listen to him, I forget my own difficulties. November 10th, 1921. The texts the the Duke loaned me have opened my eyes. Perhaps that old Arabic scroll of mine holds some mysteries as yet unknown. February 2nd, 1922. I've received the translation of Milan's scroll. I wonder if this Sedefka or Simulacrum yet exists. June 25th, 1922. The trail ends in 1789. I've written to the current owners of the Comte's Villa in Poissy. I would go there, but I cannot leave William alone. October 3rd, 1922. The Duke has given me something for my insomnia. I slept deeply and had a most vivid dream of Lausanne as it was in olden times. The feel of realness was amazing. November 12th, 1922. Amazing. Two nights ago, I held a brass button in my hand as I slept and set it down in dream Lausanne. When I woke, it was gone. The next night, I fetched it back in my dream and woke with it clasped in my hand. Hmm. June 1st, 1923. I had no hope for this new year. My researches lead nowhere, and soon soon my habit will cost us our shop. Where will William live then? January 9th, 1923. I fear I must sell that old scroll. I'm sure the Duke would be interested, but I need another bidder to drive the price up against him. Until then, I will keep it a secret from him. I have it hidden in Dream Luzon for safe safekeeping. Oh, June 14th, 1923. Ava Fortuna, a group of gentlemen from the United States have arrived and are interested in the scroll. The Duke fortuitously showed up at the same time, and we all meet tonight at Chateauneuf to discuss price. I am sure that I'm sure to make the sale, and William and I can begin our lives anew. Wait, perhaps with some cunning, cunning I can sell it twice. Son of a bitch. Uh, and I'll shut the journal. And with uh, him saying it was hidden in uh, Dream Luzon, I uh, I agree with Doctor Doctor York. I'm like, yeah, we we need to go. Come come come. And we head back downstairs in a hurry. Um. So you everybody upstairs also goes downstairs. And as we're going, I go I go. I think I know where the scroll is. Yeah, good. We have to get out of here before we are found. Right. Oh, yeah. And Gabriel, you don't find anything. 
Well, where where is the skull gunter? I can't find it anywhere in here. Well, um, you're the only ones that would believe me, but uh, he stashed it in the dreamlands. What? Yeah, we'll we'll discuss it back at the uh, at the uh, hotel or that the hotel at the hotel. Yeah. All right. So we can close the door behind us convincingly and uh, maybe we will call the authorities tomorrow and tell them we are afraid our friend did not make the meeting and we are concerned and hang up the phone before they okay yeah so it's not far I think you're walking aren't you um, no. yes walk back to your hotel um, go up to your rooms and uh you're all sort of meeting together in the room so the gunter can explain what's in the journal. And I, yeah, I explained it. I go, uh, he, he found some way to bring objects from the dreamlands and take objects to the dreamlands. And he said he stored it, stored it in dream Luzon. Um, and he was planning on swindling us. Apparently he was going to make a, uh, try and sell the scroll twice. Yeah, well, Spindle, that's where the Duke, yeah, because he was making a, a fake, uh, preparing a scroll in his own oven. Oh, Both of them killed. It's interesting also where I feel less shame, uh, guilt. I mean, he has a uh, translation and he lies to us about it and so on. He's a victim of his own demons and also a victim of this Duke. Now, Still. do and we think, oh, sorry, uh, go ahead, please. I discovered his method of traveling to the dreamlands and I'll show them the, the vials and syringe. He was also a horrible addict. I have the morphine as well, which I'll pocket that in case we should need it later. And you will, you were able to ascertain that he overdosed on that Edgar. Yes. It looks like it was a morphine overdose. And what happened? Uh, how did uh, his brother die? Oh, it was a it was a head injury. They were they were murdered. Dear Lord. Yes, if I you recall, if, if you recall that Edgar had multiple shots in one arm for the morphine, but he also had one in this arm, which would have been difficult for him himself to have given. So I suspect that his uh, overdose was meant to look like an accident. And I'm, I'm sure the culprits are trying to stage it as some sort of apparent murder-suicide. One brother kills the other and then kills himself. Hmm. Uh, Block, where did you find this uh, journal? Uh, in the uh, dresser. Oh, it is a good thing that this Duke did not find it. It must be the Duke, yes? I don't know. I mean, we were intentionally delayed by him um, yeah. and his associates. And he has more occult knowledge than we were uh, officially aware of and knew more about the brother's secrets than he admitted. I mean, it's, it's strange. I, I agree that it was probably the Duke. It's just, why would he kill him if he knew that he was wanting to sell it? Do you think he figured out that? He was trying to just jack up the price, and he, he didn't seem like or, that. Or the forgery, or that he didn't really have it. Yeah. yeah. Or it's possible he killed him prematurely, 
assuming that he could just simply ransack the apartment and find the scroll. But as, as I believe your journalist said, it's not ransacked. there. The place yeah. didn't look ransacked, right? No. No, yeah. but maybe they were careful. I don't know. It doesn't also seem like the brethren, though. It doesn't seem like a cultish attack. I mean, it is possible the Duke uh, and his friend Maximilian were panicked because we had arrived and finally they had competition. They thought they could manage Edgar until he gave it up. But it is, yeah, and we might have a third enemy in town. True. So you, you're, um, you're, you do get the impression from the journal that the Duke himself didn't know about the scroll until mm-hmm. about the same time you did. So you're, you're theorizing that uh, one of its possible locations could be within the dreamlands then. Well, that's uh, what the notebook says that he, he's hidden it. Yeah, so it's still maybe there. Maybe, maybe not. But We should uh, assume that, that our mysterious foes have the same information as we do. Whether that's right or wrong, we should assume that they're equally informed as we are. And so it is a race to yeah. get into Dream Lusan and get that scroll. Although if they murdered him with one injection, they didn't bother to take the other. And they it's didn't strange. take the drug either. That's what I mean, yeah. They didn't take the other drug, yeah. So it, I think the, they did the, not read the journal. In the journal, um, when it insinuated that it was in the Dreamlands, what was the date of that journal entry? Uh, I believe it was Jan- early January this year, January it was, 9th. Um, it was the 9th, just uh, about oh. a week ago. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that there's a very good chance it's still there. Then. It's currently January 14th. Yes. Yeah. So we're just, just days ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. So the question is how many of us can use this substance to visit? There, um, the bottle is uh, actually fair. It's much larger than the morphine, and the morphine's obviously for an injecting, you know. But this is more like, a, you know, oh, right, something about this size. Uh, it has quite a quantity in there, and uh, so, it just looks like it's got a stopper top on it. So yeah. take it by the spoonful, like like cough syrup, maybe a teaspoon. Yeah. Uh, so we uh there would be enough for all of them we lock our doors to the hallway open up the connecting doors meet in the middle have a sip we know that in dreamland's time it goes different so we can come back before the breakfast call mm. and there well, we if if we have competition there we have numbers at least yeah we should experiment to see if we can transport something into the dreamlands or, and back. Hmm. It should be something primitive that could exist in that time period, like a knife or a heavy That's... stick. Did he take what a button? A he, he took a he took a coin, yeah, yeah. a button or a coin. But I, button. Yeah. I think it's also clear he took the scroll. Yeah. As we have seen, there are uh, strange interactions between that 
dimension and our own. It does not surprise me that material could be transported. Yeah, there's a morphing of some sort, so we should yeah. be aware of that. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and, and you make a point also, uh, Doctor, perhaps if the thing we attempt to carry back with us is useful, like a small blade, then we are better prepared to uh, face perhaps competition in old dream Luzon. Is there in our room um, a candlestick and candle? A tapered candle? Sure. I want to hold to my breast the candlestick and candle. Okay. Anyone oh. else? Yeah, I'll take uh I'll take my hunting knife out and just sort of uh sort of like put a put a sh towel around it so I don't accidentally stab myself in the sleep, but I'll uh still kind of I'll loosely tie it to my hand and then wrap the blade in a towel so I don't hurt myself. Okay. I'll bring my uh, my handcuffs that I use for my tricks because I'm the only one that knows how to release them. Okay. Uh, no, should we have a, a, a quick uh, room service and get something with a few sharp knives? Uh, a steak. A late night steak. Of course, I was thinking about taking just a notebook and a pen myself. Make it a simple pen, though. Maybe take a pencil. All right, so Dabrowski, we will share a Yes, yes. If they if they have a little a little pot fondue, we can get little knife and fork for two or three easy. It's Switzerland's. So I should have late night fondue. Wouldn't mind the spot either. I didn't right. really eat that dinner with that talkie man. All right. So you guys prepare. Um, we'll say that by midnight, you guys pretty much have whatever you want uh, in place. What next? Take take the dose. Bottoms up. How much are you going to drink? Um, you mean by swallow or by ounces? I mean, uh, are you going to taste it? Are you going to take a swig? Are you going to pour out a spoonful? I think the least we should do is give it a, a, a finger taste just to see. Otherwise, Un uncork it and sniff it and see if it has any kind of familiar aroma. It smells very floral, almost like lavenders. Okay. Um, uh, York is going to take one mouthful and, you know, and take a swallow and pass it on and settle down with my settle in okay. with my candlestick. All right. So um, do a uh, Dr. Edison do a dexterity roll. Wow. Uh, hard success. Okay. Um, are, are, are any of you standing near Dr. Edison? 
I think we are like seated in a circle in the middle room, so we have near each other. Okay. Yeah, like four or five. Um, so when Dr. Edison does that, he just manages to hand off the vial and his eyes go glassy and holding the candlestick in his hand. He just, if you're sitting like on the edge of the bed, you just set up in your head and you just drop. Mm. Uh, uh, it concerns everybody because he looks like he just dropped dead. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably get up and like touch his like uh, neck to, hey, do you still have a pulse? Yeah, he's breathing deeply. Did, and did we? He, he's got a very odd smile on his face. Mm. But he's definitely just deep in sleep. Hmm. I wonder wow. if that was a bit too much of a dose because it seemed to hit him like a ton of bricks. Yeah, it was not the most scientific approach, I would think, from a medical man. Uh, uh, Herr Bloch, you were in the room. You, there was a spoon there also, yes? Yes, yes, yes there was. Yeah. Was it uh, a tablespoon, a teaspoon? A little spoon. Soup spoon? Yeah. 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 Not this, this size. Uh, yeah, let's approximate this. We have the fondue set. We can find just the right thing. Okay. Yeah. And let's get comfortable because I don't want to follow. I was, I, we brought in some chairs and I don't want yeah. to hit my head. I'm going to uh, pour, pour myself a spoon as a, uh, I'll, I'll go next and I'll, I'll lay down and then just kind of like take the spoon and kind of. Okay. The, the flavor of it is very sweet. Like, um, I mean, like, uh, like honey, mm -hmm. um, it's got kind of an overtone of alcohol, uh, like a liqueur. It smells of lavenders. And um, as everybody else notices, you get this funny look on your face, like, uh, like it's extremely pleasurable. And then you just drop on the bed, sound asleep, start snoring. Yeah, I think that looked a little better, yes? That did look a little bit better, like maybe the right dosage. Uh, let us, I, um, no, I guess we go one at a time. Who wants to go next? I'll, I'll give it a shot. Up bottoms. Uh, bottoms okay. say. Um, same thing with Theodore. He uh, goes, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Gunter and Theodore do uh, dex rolls. The dex roll is to see if you drop your object. Ooh, 16. Uh, Fail. Yeah, uh, so Gunter, you, you dropped your handcuffs <laughs> next to on the bed. One shy of an extreme. Okay, you 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 keep your thing in your hand. Uh, Dorian and Gabriel, you guys are going to do the same? All right, so roll your dexterity roll to see if you hold on to your object. All right. Extreme. Ooh, hard success, yeah. Oh, nine. Extreme success. All right, excellent. So you have all successfully taken the drug. Um, a few moments later, uh, you find your eyes opening, uh, and you are still in your room. Um, looks exactly the same as it did 
when you sat down a minute ago. It's like, um, it doesn't seem like any time's passed. I look at my watch. Your watch, there's nothing on your wrist like oh. a watch. I'll go to the you might have a might have a leather band or something around. Ah. What does the street outside look like? When you open up the window and you look out, there is, at your first glance, there's nothing out there. Your building is like in the middle of a desert that seems to go off in all directions. There's, it's featureless. There's nothing out there. Do a spot hidden, though. Yeah. Oh, 78. That doesn't look good. Uh, no, that's a bad fail. Okay. Yeah. You see nothing. And it's dark. This, this, this doesn't look right. This is not anywhere. I wonder if this worked. Take a look out the window. Lord, there's this. Right. Anybody looking out the window can do a spot hidden. How old is this uh, building that we're in? Um, not particularly old. I mean, it's a, it's been around probably. Successful spot hidden. Years. Okay. There is, you look out, you see nothing. You see the desert stretching off into the distance. You see the dark sky and, and there's something down there in the sand just maybe a hundred feet from the front door of the hotel. Um, it's like just a flat rectangle. You can't really see the features because it's dark. Hmm. It's odd. It's caught my attention. Does anybody else see that dark patch in the desert out there? And desert? Desert? In Lausanne? This is most odd. I think we are. I think it was successful. I think we are asleep. Right. I've been looking around the room. Is the dresser and mirror intact? Every, everything seems to be here. Although if you look for anything that's modern, it's not there. Right. The light fixture. Is there any kind of light fixture? There's. There are uh, sconces on the wall with candles in them. Of course, Gunter's handcuffs are gone. Yeah, their handcuffs are not on the bed. Guess it didn't work. They probably would. Those of you who did pass, you do have your things, and they are hmm. um, a more primitive knife. Uh, can't remember hmm. everything you guys grabbed, but had Gunter succeeded, all he would have had was a, a length of rope. Hmm. <laughs> I was going to say maybe manacles. <laughs> do I do I have a clay tablet? And you have, have you have <laughs> you have a sheaf of paper and a uh, a quill, so hmm. you don't have any ink at the moment. Um, so I'll light my candle from one of the sconces, okay. and then uh, I think we should uh, head out. The building is quiet. Yes, you hear nothing. No. In fact, it's very quiet. All you can really hear is your own breathing and your own heartbeat inside. It's rather exciting. How far uh, back in the waking world was Edgar and William's home from 
the hotel we're staying at. Was that like a half mile, something like five that? minutes walk? Five minutes. Five minutes walk. walk. Yeah. So if if we if we went out the front door of this place and it was oriented right, would we know roughly the direction to go? Yeah, I'd yeah. say so. The lake is over here. The hill is back over there. Place. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, that's you don't, one idea. You want to look. You don't see right? a lake outside. So. Oh. oh. Okay. Yeah. Right, and we don't know what shape the building is either. Mm. Um. My first thought is that uh, there is the um, the grandson statue would be a fine place to a fine landmark if it exists in the Dream Lausanne as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is roughly the same direction, not exactly. But uh, I think, Harry uh, York, you will have plenty of time to explore because we had a thimble full to your slug. Well, hmm. we shall see. We shall see. Yeah, it might be all the same. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go open the door, see what, yeah. see what the hallway looks like. Find we should all find a method to light our way if we can. Okay. Well, like I say, there are candles lit all along the way. Yeah, sure, so I'll grab one. Sconces. I can only carry a candle so far before the tallow burns right. me. You uh, you open up the door, and outside uh, you see the same hallway that you've seen before, except that there are no doors. There are mm. no other doors. Um, and there's no carpeting on the floor. It's a hardwood floor. You see it goes down in both directions, but this goes in the direction of the staircase, and the staircase is still there. Um, you head down the staircase towards the lobby, and the lobby is still there. There's no, there doesn't seem to be anybody here. Um, it seems completely deserted. You hear no sounds of anything. Um, you walk to the front door and you open it, and outside there is this desert stretching off into all directions. But directly in front of the door, just about 100 feet ahead of you, um, you see, because it's dark, you see basically a rectangle um, just there in the sand. Um, like, how big? Like um, I, I mean, it's about the size of a big door. Okay. Or a tomb, perhaps. All right. We have yeah. found your. Yeah. Is it laying flat or is it like the. Standing mon... straight up. So, like the monolith in 2001? Yeah, exactly. Okay. What is that, Gunter? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we all have different dreams, after all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. You, can't, you can't really see it from this far away. It just looks black against. Yeah. Kind of a purplish sky. That that is what I saw from out from the window. It is huh. singularly unique, and I think we should investigate. Yeah, yeah and there's what? and there's nobody else in the building. There was nobody at the front desk. Mm -mm. When you look back at the building, there are no windows except for the window that was in your room. Whoa! It, it's like it's this just place a big is block. Like incomplete. Yeah, it's just what we need to dream of. I'd huh. like to leave something propping the door open, just in case. What would you leave? Uh, is there like a like a 
big heavy vase that they put umbrellas in perhaps there's there doesn't seem to be any kind of ornamentation or decoration or furniture or anything like that no not no. here huh interesting uh, all right actually if you realize that if you let the door go it doesn't close it just hangs there open mm -hmm. And there is no breeze, and there's no wind. Like there's no nothing. breeze. It's as it's as still as you know, as if you were inside of a closet. In fact, it kind of feels like you are in a claustrophobic space, even though it's actually completely wide open. Hmm. Um, there's not that. There's no sense of wide open. There's no echo. It's still as if your hands were, you know, over your ears. It's, it's this is a fascinating place. This is nothing like uh Han Ri and his train. Yeah, I, I like place. the train. I like the train better than this. Yeah, the well, cocktail I'll, service was better. I'll start walking out towards okay. the rectangle. I'll walk as you, with you. As you walk towards the rectangle, once you're about 20 feet from it, your candlelight starts to illuminate it. And it seems to be a door and a door frame. It's very elaborate. Um, it's uh, it's all carved with all sorts of, you know, classical carvings, little um, animals and things like that. It's a very beautiful door, dark oak maybe, um, and it's got a big old handle on it to open. I'll do so. Okay. Do you the open. carvings seem to be telling a story? Not really. They okay. just seem to be, you know, sort of. Uh, I, you would say, you know, something like uh, like a cottage industry would produce, just something ornate and pretty, like like, okay. like little deer motifs or yeah. mice or something. You open up the door, and um, when the door opens, you are presented with Lausanne. It looks like Lausanne, as if you had just come out of your hotel, except that it's a much more dark ages version of Lausanne. There are no street lights. There are uh, torches here and there. Uh, the buildings are silhouetted against the purplish sky. Um, you do see a few people, and the people uh, seem to be walking kind of all in the same direction. And then you hear a church bell ring. Bong, bong, like that. The people are kind of covered up, you know, in heavy clothes with hoods and stuff as they're walking. Is it, um, is it any kind of religious garb that I'm familiar with, or is it? You would guess medieval peasant clothing, uh, just nothing special about it nothing ornate or flowery okay. it's and once again it's like you've tr been transported back to medieval lausanne the streets okay. are cobblestone uh, may i try anthropology to see if this is real or made up historical lausanne sure not that good at it but i will spend it's only three to spend to make a success okay um, 
you would guess uh, that it's a combination of like medieval, maybe even as back as a thousand years. Um, but there are little incongruities in some of the architecture as if it's a recreation, but by somebody who doesn't have perfect knowledge of history. Um, there's nothing modern, but there's, I, I there's will, enough changes that it's a little yeah, odd. I will point out a thing or two, like, ah, uh, you see, they, uh, there's, we have this idea that people look, uh, wore this sort of shoe, but in fact, Lausanne had beautiful leather shoes at this time. There are little touches, mm -hmm. and it is, it is a little bit a thousand years and a little bit 500 years. It's a so it, it kind of matches what somebody would imagine this time period would look like. Not this is not old Lausanne, but dream Lausanne. Yeah. What What are we wearing now? Do our clothes look like, look like they might fit in, or because your your clothing is what you were wearing when you went to sleep, with the exception of it's no longer made of the same kind of cloths. It's made out of a more primitive cloth. Um, you I had don't on the tie, you still have on sort of a, a piece of cloth around your neck. And, have we transitioned um, through the threshold yet? Yeah, you've probably all stepped in. Okay. Yeah. And the door remains good. there. All right. This and when you look back through the door, you can still see that building. And, and looking back at the door around it, like, is it in a wall here in this? No, it's still just sitting there in the middle of the. Uh, it looks like it's sitting, though, on the edge of the town. Okay. Um, I would like you all to do spot hiddens, and this is more for just a general perception. Ooh. 98. <laughs> 88. Uh, success. Well, if, it needs to be, if it needs to be hard, I can spend one luck. No, it doesn't need to be hard. If it's a success... There's something fucking wrong here. Um, you had a very palpable feeling when you went into the dreamlands where the train was and Henry was. And this place doesn't feel like that. There was something glorious about the dreamlands. And this feels like, like a closet, like you're... Like, you know, there's just something perceptively wrong with it all. Henri described the dreamlands and, and the dream uh, Orient Express, you know, as being the uh, collective works of thousands of dreamers building that together and unconsciously building it together. It's a, like that shared, uh, uh, a shared space. This feels so much different, almost as if maybe very few minds or maybe even just one mind with a very specific type of view of Lausanne is what we've stepped into. And clearly that desert and faux hotel is some kind of space between a go between. Or perhaps, I, perhaps we are linking into the remnants of poor Edgar's consciousness. Yes. Yes. Maybe so. Perhaps this place will not last long now that he's passed. 
It's or the dead. It's the moving on somewhere else. Yes, yeah, the dreams of a dead man fading away. We I'm should co- probably make haste. Yeah, I'm concerned also about the people all moving in the same direction, as if there is a well, central hell, It's like a funeral or something. They seem to be moving. Um, I mean, you guys are a little familiar with Lausanne now. You've been here now for a bit. They seem to be moving up the the avenue uh, towards the cathedral. And you can see the cathedral because it looms up over everything, you know. Uh, it's mm-hmm. black against the sky. Uh, and, of course, you hear the bell every once in a while tolling. Bong, bong. And it's I'd not say, tolling an hour. It's tolling for perhaps some longer ceremony. So like could I, make, could I roll a cult? Is this like a funeral bell? Because it's a Catholic cathedral, is it not? Yeah. Um, go ahead. Roll your cult. Yeah, that bell is summoning these people. 87 is no good. Well, except that Dr. Edison nailed it. Uh, sometimes they use the bell to summon people. So the people seem to be moving in that direction. And there are people near you that are walking past in front of you. And they all seem to look kind of glazy eyed and uh, they're not talking to one another or interacting. They're just walking. None of them, the ones that were near us, none of them looked startled that we appeared through the door. Not at all. So uh, one of them that's walking, I'm just going to kind of like place myself in their walking path. Okay. Where would be Uh, the taxidermist shop here? It would still be in the direction you think it would be. Um, I'm wondering if some of us should go see what's up at the cathedral and others go check. Because I'm trying to think where you would have hidden. They're They're both on the same side of town happily. When uh, when Gunter steps in front of them, they just move around you. Okay. They they their facial expressions don't change at all. So they, um, they don't even lock eyes. But but they can yeah. they can see us like you know. So we're yeah we're yeah that. Um, but. you would do a um do a psychology roll. That would make sense here. Oh, uh, regular. Yeah, you you see in their face a look of oppression, as if these are the the, the, the typical look of peasants who are under oppression. My hmm. concern, friends, is that the duke gave Edgar this drug, and the duke has power over this space. And we do not want to fight the duke in the place that he operates. Yeah. You you start to. Um, for the first time, you start to feel a little bit of chill in the air. Mm. And you think that there is a noise um, coming from an alley, like across the street and a little to the side. Mm. It's dark. You can't see in there. Mm. Uh, I'll go toward it. Okay. As you approach it, if the others are watching you, as you mm-hmm. approach it, you suddenly find that the air uh, seems to be coming from in between the building. It's um, it's stronger and stronger with every step as you're getting there, and it's icy cold. And there comes a point where you, you don't even want to push against it anymore. You can see that the ground there is cracked open, and there is a huge fissure, 
and this blast of icy air is uh, is blasting out of this hole. Um, you think that if you get any closer to it, it'll freeze you. Yeah. Um, so you we should make haste. Yes. Let's get to the to the taxidermy shop and search it, and then if maybe we need to go to the cathedral. I I hope not, but let's try the taxidermy. Yeah, I agree. Herr Bloch, bitte. Yeah. So cold. Avoid the ice hole. Uh, as long so, as you walk away from it, you you go back to, to normal. Oh, with very oh. little air moving. Yeah. So the the cathedral was, uh, you know, imagine that there's a main road, yeah, going up towards the cathedral, and that there's, and the taxidermy shop was off to the right, I think, at some angle, yeah, just a little bit. You have, you have to go up far ways and go over. Yeah. So, it's, so we should go over, and then hopefully, if the ceremony or something begins, the Peasants will be inside and we can look around outside. Or maybe we just find the bear is still here in antiquity and it's got a beautiful ribbon in his mouth. Hmm. So you realize, too, that there's something else weird here. There's definitely a, a, a time problem. Uh, there's things that seem to happen quickly to you and things that happen slowly and that time is a little twisted. Um, you feel as if you're walking towards the main thoroughfare. And uh, it, as you look ahead of you, it seems much farther in distance okay. than it did when you were, or, or you're moving slower than, uh, than you were before. Um, there are more people now. People are coming out of areas, out of buildings, out of... Uh, alleyways and joining you in walking in this general direction. Um, and then you hear something. Um, it sounds like a crack sound, um, a sharp cracking sound. Uh, you hear um, something like a hymn being sunk. It's coming from a little ways behind you. And as you look back, there are a number of people, you assume once again townsfolk, but they're different than the others. They're, they seem to be in costumes. Um, the one in the front is obviously dressed up like death. He's mm. got a black cowl and a sickle. And in his other hand, he holds a whip. And occasionally he flips over his shoulder and whips himself in the back oh. as he comes forward with his skull face. The second one next to him is an angel dressed in white with obviously, you know, fake wings on the back, who also has a whip in one hand, flagellates himself as he comes forward. Right behind them, you see a soldier, um, you do a hit if you want to do a history. Yes. Um, yep. Oh, no. 36 is a pass for both uh, occult and history and anthropology. You would guess that the soldier is dressed like a medieval Frenchman, a French soldier. Uh, his costume is kind of like that. Uh, next to him is a man dressed in a lion's costume. Um. 
And then following that, there is a Turk with a mm. red fez on his head and somebody dressed in black that looks like uh, an assassin, uh, somebody who would sneak around in the shadows and murder people. And then finally behind them, there is a peasant, two peasants, a boy and a girl that are dressed like in almost like lederhosen or uh, sort of traditional costumes. And all of them are flagellating one another. And as they get up closer to where you are, you see that they're all crying. They all have vivid blue eyes and they are crying blood. It's dripping mm. down their faces. Um, they're singing something in Latin. Uh, anybody got Latin? I've got Latin. I have Latin. Okay. Um, the translation of what they are singing I, is... I, I rolled an ot one. Excellent. Nice. So you yeah. actually, Dr. Edison, you recognize the, the Latin. Uh, it's a day of anger, day of mourning, when the world shall melt in fire. Uh, it's the Dies Irae from uh, like the Catholic Mass. Um, just as they pass you, and it's like everybody's kind of getting out of their way. It's some sort of a show. Um, the lion character suddenly sprouts wings, but these are real wings. And he suddenly lifts into the air and begins to fly away. Um, the soldier, uh, without wings seems to sort of point his, uh, sword towards the lion and he lifts off and goes flying up towards the lion and the bloody tears are falling off their face and you can all do dodge rolls. Yeah. Oh, come on. I thought... <laughs> or nice. A uh, hard success. Okay. one. Oh. Pardon me. No, that's not a hard success. A 83 is 90, if you fail, 95. Okay. Those of you who fail get splattered by the blood falling from the sky, and it's hot, scalding hot. Ah. It hits you. How much damage? None. You just, okay. just, just out. You know, you wipe it off. It's... Please, we, we must hurry, gentlemen. Let's go. Hurry, hurry, hurry. We've been trying to hurry, doctor. This like, place seems opposed to the idea of hurrying. It's interesting, too, because after you get sort of hit with that blood and you're all sort of discombobulated, you no longer can see these figures. They seem to have disappeared into the crowd. Um, hmm. You're getting to an area where you think that if you veer off, you can go towards the uh, uh, the, uh, the taxidermy shop, or you can continue going on this road up towards the cathedral. Taxidermy. Split three three. Yeah, that's, that's okay. I want to go. You're going to split. I want to go to the cathedral. Okay. So taxidermy. Gotta go taxidermy. That's what I know. Do you guys want to argue with one another about what you should do? No. I, I kind of call out, call out. I'm pressing on to the cathedral. Uh, who, who's joining me? Uh, I don't like it, but I think that's where we have to go. 
Yeah, I'll go I'll taxidermy. Follow. I'll follow Gunther and Okay, so Roland. so Dave Roland and Gunther going one direction and uh Dorian, Theodore, and Edison giving me another. All right. Um Dorian, Theodore, and Edison. Once you leave the main thoroughfare, you find the city is pretty much empty. Um all the people now seem to be on the main thoroughfare. Uh, traveling now seems a little easier because there's nobody around you. Uh, I'd like you all to do spying. Please. Five. That is a success. That is a hard success. All right. I'm not going fail. to spend the luck. I, I rolled two over. I'll just fail. It's fine. Okay. So Dorian and Edison, you're walking a little bit ahead of Theodore. And Theodore, you look over and you notice there's an alley. It's very strange looking down this alley because it seems to be very brightly lit. Um, uh, when you look, there's something very strange. There seems to be bulbs all over the ground as if somebody took a big pile of bulbs and threw them onto the ground. Um, They've all sprouted, and there are flower stalks coming out. But on the tops of each flower stalk, there are just more little tinier bulbs. Um, it smells really sweet. And as you sort of look over at it and examine it, you know, more clear, clearly, we've got a hard. It's not just that the alley is lit up. It's that the alley doesn't have any darkness to it. There's not even shadows under the bulbs. There's no, it's almost like you're looking at a flat painting where there's no shadows that have been drawn. Um, it feels very strange, but it, it just feels like more of the strangeness of this place. Um, Dorian and Dr. Edison, you notice that Theodore has stopped and is looking down the alley, you also see exactly what he's seeing once he causes you to look. This almost reminds me of what uh, Gunther ran into with that, that uh, ice hole back there. I don't think we, this, it, to, to, to investigate this would tangent us away from the, uh, from the taxidermist shop, yes? I mean, yeah, obviously. All right. I, I don't think we have time for this, Theodore. Let's let's keep going. Come on. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, Gabriel, Roland, and Gunter. Um, you realize that the crowd is getting pretty thick in the middle. Like to one side or another to at least get a little bit more uh, you know, freedom of movement. Yeah. Um, as you're going, you, you gain another block or so going forward. And right up ahead of you, as the crowd, and the crowd is kind of going around them, there are three women, and the women are not walking with the rest of the crowd. Uh, they have started a fire, a small fire on the ground, and there is a large black cauldron. Uh, when you look at the women, it appears that one's very old, like an old crone. Uh, one of them is middle-aged and the other one is fairly young. Mm. And their hands 
are on a big stir thing and they're stirring the cauldron. And it almost looks like their hands have all fused together in the process. Um, they look up as you are approaching and they see you and they say, come, come, um, have some of our uh, brew. Uh, what are you brewing? Come and see. All, and all as approach. you move forward and look at the cauldron, it is filled with human body parts that bubble and squirm around, and they all seem to still be alive, though they're disattached from uh, one another. You can do a sanity roll. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we were just uh, staring at a matte painting of really weird pa- tulips. Pa- uh, yeah, pass. 47 to pass. 14. Remember, we are only dreaming. Did any of you uh, fail? No. No. All right. Th- thank um, you, ladies. Just, just take one point of damage. Okay. Um, I believe I will uh, pass on that, that offer I, I already ate. They've already started just ignoring you. It's here. Because you're there. Um, Dr. Edison, Theodore, and Dorian. Um, you move ahead into a quiet square, uh, one across from uh, where the the taxidermy place is. There is a gigantic chessboard that has been laid out in the street, quite large, and there are chess pieces only the chess pieces, instead of being black and white, they are black and red. And on each side of the chessboard, uh, there is a kind of a throne that's been set up. And sitting in each throne it are two statues. Uh, they're very cunningly wrought to look like men, uh, but there is a black one and a red one. The black one looks like a fairly young man dressed, you know, like a king. And the red one looks like a very old man also dressed like a king. And every step you take towards this or trying to skirt around it, um, a move is made on the board. Uh, You then notice that each piece on the board has a knife in its hand. And when there comes the moment when it's going to take the spot from another, it slashes the throat of the other piece and the the piece bleeds and falls to the ground and lays there on the board. So their pieces end up kicking the other pieces and shoving them out of the way as they try to move forward. And with each step you take, a new move is made. And by the time you are almost across the street in front of the taxidermy place, um, Black wins the game. And the Red King topples onto the ground. And the Black King suddenly turns his head and looks right at you guys. Um you're right in front of the taxidermy shop. Um, Let's go in. 
All right. Yeah. You go, you go into the taxidermy. Not addressing shop. us. Go in. Gunter, Gabriel, and Roland. Oh. There seems to be somebody doing a little show along the side, like an entertainment. It's a, a magician. Oh. Um, magician looks like, um, you know, an older fellow with a rather grand beard and mustache. He has on something very similar to what Gunter would wear, a nice black suit with a hat on his head. A little out of place for medieval times, but... Uh, definitely uh, a magician. He holds out his hat and he flips it up so that you can all see inside of it. And it's just black inside. Uh, he then holds it in one hand and he takes his other hand and he places his hand into the hat and he pulls it all the way up to here. And then when he removes the hat, his arm is gone as if it's been amputated. He then takes that and he sets it on the ground and he puts his right foot into it and goes, sort of kneels down, putting his entire leg into the hat. And then he pulls away and his leg is gone, amputated. He then manages to sit sort of on his uh, butt and with his hand, he reaches down and he pulls it up his other leg and his leg disappears and he laughs as he's doing this. And then he sets the hat on the platform and he puts his other hand in all the way up to the shoulder and then comes up and it's gone and all he's got left is a torso. And he looks at one of, he looks at the three of you and he says, um, would you mind? Uh, sure. I'll put the hat on his head, I suppose. And you, when you do that, the hat drops to the thing and his whole body disappears into the hat. And then he's gone. Now that was a trick. Is the hat still there? The hat's still there. I'll pick it up. You pick it up. Don't, don't put your hand in it, Gabriel. I'm not, I'm not going to, but we might need it. <laughs> it it seems to be completely empty. There's nothing inside. It's, it doesn't, does it feel unusually he heavy, Noda? No. Hmm. Yeah. Keep it pointed away from me, please. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, we'll get to the taxidermy room in a moment. Um, hmm. the, the three of you move on just a little bit farther, and you come to an area where there's a square. And it's uh, the square. You can see the cathedral, you know, uh, right up ahead. It's probably in the next square over. Um, in this square, the people are, are moving around a statue. Uh, it's set on a pedestal in the very center of the square. Mm -hmm. uh, from its silhouette, as you're approaching, it seems to be a woman uh, with her hands spread out like this. As you get closer, you realize that she seems to have bits of um, cloth hanging all over her. And then you realize that it's not exactly a woman or a statue. It seems to be all composed of wire, as if somebody had wrapped wire into bundles and sort of pieced it together and wired it together to make the vague shape 
of a woman. Um, there are little barbs all over the wire. And what's hanging from the wire is not cloth. You're pretty sure it's human flesh mm. that's hanging all over her. Uh, her mouth is turned upwards and her mouth is wide open. And there is music, there is singing that's coming from her mouth. And it's the saddest thing that you've ever heard. Mm. Um, her, the, the figure's throat seems to be bleeding. Um, you need to do a constitution roll. Um, not because it's gross, but because it's the saddest thing you've ever heard, and you will break down into tears if you stay any longer. Did any of you fail? Hard success. success. Extreme success. Feelings are not what I do the most. (laughs) So what you you feel is you feel torn between staying there and listening and getting away, because you know that if you stay there too long, you will break down and cry. Does it seem the way the flesh is on the figure that people have pressed against it? It's hard to tell. There are large pieces and small pieces. It's and shredded, yeah. Then does the figure remind me of any specific religious? Not it's really. Just a, a it's almost featureless form. because yeah, it's almost featureless wire. because of its wire, but. Yeah. The dreamer of this place uh, is very, un- the dreamers of this place are people with bad nightmares. It, yeah. feels, it feels all about death. Well, I mean, if it was dreamed by Edgar, he was having trouble uh, recovering from the war. Yeah. And obviously some religious upbringing. There's some distinct mm-hmm. symbolic... Was that statue uh, about where the statue would have been in the real world of the the prince or whoever the statue? No, was? we have another square away. That's, the that's right in front of the church. Okay. Now so. is she is she positioned in like kind of like a crucifixion pose or? Um, do an idea roll. Ninety-nine. I am on the verge of tears. No ideas here. Hard yeah. success. Yeah, hard. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, those of you who did pass, um, I, she seems to be uh, in a position where she would be belting out so- a song. Gosh, ah. you know, and she um, is a song of great sorrow. Yeah. Carry All on. right. Dr. Dorian, Dr. Theodore, I mean, I'm Theodore and Dr. Edison. Um, uh, you, uh, you, you see the taxidermy shop ahead of you and you open the door. It's not locked, but the second you open the door, it is reeking the smell that's inside, reeking of rotting flesh. It is also pitch black inside. I've been protecting my candle, so now I'm going to use my candle to light the way for us. Okay. You've you've already traversed this a couple times, so you've seen it. It's still Edgar's shop. It's laid out. 
exactly like Edgar's shop, but all of the taxidermied animals, uh, it's as if they were taxidermied by idiots. Um, uh, in fact, your guess is that they didn't even bother to remove the the bodies because you can smell the reeking smell of mm. these dead animals. Um, you can see very clearly the uh, the horrible job they did on stitching them up. Uh, they're falling off their mounts. Some of them have deliquesced and started to turn to goo, and they're dripping on the floor. You can do sanity rolls. Yeah. Probably constitution rolls to see. If oh, no. I was so happy with that zero, but it, there's another zero. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> another I, zero. When the zeros I, bring friends, it's a problem. Lots of zeros, just zeros rolled. Theodore, do a uh, 1d4 damage. 1d4. Uh, sanity damage. I passed the sanity, failed the con. I passed the sanity, and I had a hard success on the con. Okay. Well, Doctor, you're able to keep your wits about you because you're used to seeing dead bodies. But Dr. Doreen is not. So he quickly vomits on the, the step outside. Uh, and theater, how did you yes. do on your sanity? Uh, two. Two damage. Okay. That's enough to where you, you gasp and stumble backwards and you can feel your heart pounding in your chest. God. I'm, I'm used to hunting and seeing dead animals, but not like this is apparently... This is an abomination to uh, to to what you've done. Yeah. Can, can keep, we... keep your wits about you. Steady men, steady men. So you continue inside? Continue inside, and uh, I say uh, we should search the premises for, for the scroll. Where do you want to search? Start in the kitchen. That's where we found the fake one. Okay. Uh, you go into the kitchen, uh, and it's like a, a primitive uh, medieval kitchen. Um, there are hunks of meat and things that are rotting on the table with big, uh, you know, butcher uh, butchering things. Um, there's a number of animal heads that are in there that are dripping on the ground. Um but you open up cabinets, you open up the, uh, uh, there's no oven, there's a, a hearth. You see no, no scroll. Huh. Maybe upstairs in the, the, the quarters of this place? There is still an upstairs, yes. Uh, well, yeah. you went to the kitchen, that is upstairs. Oh, oh the kitchen was upstairs? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's uh, try and start searching bedrooms. And then after, if once we exhaust the upstairs, we can go back down. We might need to, it should probably be pretty easy, but we might need to tear apart some of those uh, taxidermied monstrosities. I will check the bedroom while you do that. Okay. Um, still, there are two bedrooms up here. Um, the first one is uh, the one that would have been William's bedroom. Uh, when you approach it, it looks like there's a door, but when you reach for the doorknob, the doorknob has just been painted on. It's a good optical illusion, but there's nothing to grab a hold of. There's nothing actually there. And as you look closer, you realize 
there's there's not a gap around the door. The door has just been painted on the wall. It's a solid flat wall. Push on it. There's no knock on it. Stone. Um, there, it's it's like you're knocking on rock. Mm. Let's find the other room. You go to the other room, and it's much different. You you get to that room, and the door. You recognize the door. Um, it looks like the same sort of door that was in the desert when you walked out. It's a big door. Hmm. It's wooden. It's got carvings all over it. And there is, uh, it's got a big old doorknob. Should uh, be curious. This one. Yeah. Probably um, not enter it, but at least open it and look through. Do yeah. a strength roll. All of us are. Well, each of you can try. Somebody's try. That's a fail. That is a hard success. Dorian? That's a fail. fail. Okay. Well, Dr. Edison kind of shoves against it, and um, you turn the doorknob, and it opens a little bit, and you can see that on the other side of it is the desert. And you're building way off in the distance. Hmm. It's an exit. Yeah. Let's, uh, you know, the door doesn't slam shut, does it? No. Okay. We'll leave it as is. And uh, let's trans, let's go back downstairs. Yeah. Okay. So you're heading back downstairs. All right. Gabriel, Roland, and Kunter, uh, you make your way. The crowd's quite thick. Um, go forward, and you see that there is a, a sea of people in the square. And in the center of the square, in front of the cathedral, uh, there is kind of platform that's been built up. And all around it, all around the square, there are gibbets with people hanging from them. Um, some of them, you're not sure if it's just other people bumping into things or what, but you're not sure that everybody on the gibbets is dead. Um, in the center is this little platform and on the platform is a large statue, which you recognize as Otto the grandson. Um, it seems bigger than normal. Uh, it still is missing its hands, but it is very obviously a statue. Next to it, chained up uh, with uh, the chains going to links on the ground, um, is Edgar Wellington. Uh, he looks like he has been, um, like he's out of his mind. Uh, he's looks like he's catatonic. He's phased out, if you will, from all this shit that's going on around him. But he's obviously a prisoner. And huh. all of a sudden, the crowd starts to murmur something. They start to murmur something that sounds very much like 
Here comes the Duke. Like Jigsaw Prince. And mm-hmm. the the noise gets louder and louder as the Duke um, steps up onto the platform. Uh, the people begin sort of almost cheering, but a cheerless cheer. Um, Jigsaw Duke, uh, Jigsaw Prince, Jigsaw Prince, they keep saying. The Duke is dressed in what look kind of like leather breeches. Um, They've got studs along the side and big heavy boots. Uh, From the waist up, he is naked, except that there are a number of leather straps that sort of wrap around him. Uh, And I'd like you to do spot hidden. Thirty-one is one shy of a heart. I can spend the luck if need be. That's okay. You don't have to. Uh, those of you who can see who passed, you notice that there's something weird about the Duke. Um, at first, you thought it was shadows or discolorations or something like that, but you begin to realize that different parts of his body—his arm, his hand, his the right chest and so forth. They're different colors. They're different colors of flesh. And you realize that he looks like he has been stitched together from various body parts, um, except for his head and face, which seem to be normal. Mm -hmm. Um, It almost like, almost like Frankenstein. It gives you that sort of look. Um, when you he, say uh, different, sorry. When you say different colors, uh, a black man, mean, a, a brown man. We uh, mean different human skin tones, not green right, and yellow. Diff- right, correct. Different human skin tones. And can hmm. we maneuver away in the crowd to get closer to Edgar? Or even right up. To um, he's right in the center. They all seem to be surrounding him. Oh. And surrounding uh, the Duke. The Duke says, let's see, let me find my dialogue. Um, the Duke raises his hands and everybody gets quiet. Uh, he says, Before us stands a man accused of grievous crimes. His criminal conduct is in withholding what is due to us. It renders him our enemy, and hence he must stand trial before us. Hmm. As prince and protector of this realm, I appoint myself the judicial representative of the people of Lausanne, and we'll see that this rogue gets his just desserts. Um, the crowd goes kind of wild. Uh, and they cheer once again, yelling out, uh, Jigsaw Prince, Jigsaw Prince. And some of them are booing and hissing you know, Wellington's name. Um, 
is anyone willing to take part of the take the part of the criminal in this in these proceedings? And everybody goes silent. Well, Lance, yeah, I'll see asking one of us to to represent him, or or be the one that's punished for him. I was vague, and uh, uh, I'll step forward. Okay, um, all the way forward. You're going to go up to the dais. The people kind of get out of your way to allow you to do that, but you start to get boos and hisses as you step up on the platform. When you do that, the Duke looks over at you in utter surprise. It's like, what the devil are you doing here? How did you get here? I'll put put the hat on his head. You you can't actually get close to him that way, uh, but uh, um, he he gets a ridiculous smile on his face as he looks at you, and he says, uh, "Fine," he says, uh, "You're going to have to make it hard by doing this, but uh, whatever." He seems I mean, obviously seem like pissed <laughs> that he's challenged. Yes, I mean, you tried to cut us out before, but uh, we are pretty persistent. Um, he says, he looks out at the crowd and he says, um, is there anyone among you who wishes to offer himself to the Lord of Justice? And all of the people right near the platform just go hog wild. You know, they start like, all volunteering. And he finally looks down and he says, you. And as soon as he does that, the guy raises his hands like this. And the people around him attack that guy. And you see them beating on him and falling to the ground. And for a moment, he's out of your view. And then you hear a rending and a tearing noise. And after a moment, they come up with the man's skin in their hands and they hand this to the Duke and the Duke takes the skin and he goes over to the statue of Otto and he drapes the statue of Otto. And when he does this, it seems to be absorbed into the statue and the statue begins moving and opening its eyes. Uh, It still looks like a statue but it seems to be semi-animated. And he says, let justice be done. Let this be an impartial arbiter to decide the fate of this man. And he looks at you and he says, is there anyone who wishes to join you in this, in defending this man? Mm, Let me roll my... Not with that power roll. It sounds like I got okay. a little cowered out. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll go. All right. So Roland comes up there with you. He says, uh, you are granted 10 minutes of counsel to speak to Wellington. And uh, the uh, 
the Duke steps away and sort of is taking in the adoration of the crowd over towards towards the other side. All right, let's get back to the others. Um, <laughs> so what are you going to do? You're going to start searching? Uh, as we go back downstairs, yeah, start searching. Um, and yeah, if need be, I'm going to start going up to some of these rotting uh, taxidermy things and start pulling limbs and just ha- hopefully having them fall apart. And maybe there's okay. something that's been encased inside them. That's that's easier said than done. These are putrefying, rotting, dripping things. You'll have to do, do a constitution call to see how you do. I'm hoping they just kind of tear away because they're so gross. Soft. Well, with a 24 is a hard success. Okay. It's still extremely gross. It's um, disgusting with you describing it. <laughs> Theodore and Dorian, are you likewise doing anything? I of will that? go to the opposite side of the room and do the same thing. Okay. Yeah, I'm just also doing. <laughs> so it's almost unbearable. You can do constitution rolls to see if you guys lose it. I mean, you might as well be putting your hands in shit and vomit right now. It's so bad. I got a hard success. You've stealed yourself. I don't think Theodore made it. Oh, yep, yeah, I made it. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right. So you guys are going to systematically do that. Um, all right. Uh, Roland and Gabriel. Um, you have access to... Uh, Edgar. Where's where did you hide the scroll, Edgar? Um, Edgar seems to be kind of out of it. He's uh he's like uh I uh it, it's all a dream. It's just, it's just a dream. It's it's, it's not real. It's, we, we found they've killed your brother and they've injected you with no, too much morphine. No, 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 no. It's, it's just you know, it's just it's just a dream. It's not real. Edgar. Um, I don't know why I'm up here. I don't know what I did wrong. I, I don't know why my friend is treating me this way. He's not your uh, friend. I uh I don't I I I don't understand why this is happening. Wellington, we do not have all day. You're being very foolish. This is a dream, you said. You know this, yes? It's it's a dream. It's just, yes. it's just a dream. In, in, in the real world, your brother has had his head stove in, and you were given no. an injection that killed you. No, no. You're, it's ridiculous. That, uh, how else did we find you here, you silly little man? You and you're your, just... You're your just, fake scroll in the oven. You're just... Childish just, ploy. You're just a figment of my imagination. You're just... You have no imagination left. You are dead they, uh, on the bed, growing cold. They, uh, I, uh, I hid the scroll, yeah. and then I, I came here to retrieve it. But before I could, uh, uh, the Duke's men, they dragged me out of the, uh, they dragged me out of my house, my my shop. Uh, they wouldn't tell me why I was brought out, and they, where where are the scrolls? Uh, it's it's in a secret place, a hidden place inside my uh, my shop. But uh, 
I'll just I'll just wake up. I just have to wake no, up. No, you won't wake I, up. I must have I must have taken too much, and and I'm having a hard time trying to wake up. But they're 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 going to do things to me. Apparently, if I the the Duke gave you too much because he didn't want you to sell to us. That's why we are here, and we are defending you here with our own lives. So stop whining and groaning and biting your teeth and tell us where in the shop to find the scroll. But I know where the scroll is. Yes. I mean, it's, it's obvious. So if I know, you know. Except we are not you, the stupid man. The Duke is not you. That's why he's torturing you. I'm going to have to use my wits. It's a bit late for that. Because it's what brought us all here. He's going to put me on trial and I have to. I have to get out. Can't you, can't you come up with a, a way to, to get me out? If, if, you, if you get me out, I'll give you the scroll. Just get me out of this. Well, help me to wake up. All right. All right. We'll, we'll help you wake up. We know a way out um, of here, out of the dream. The Duke says, that's enough time for you. This was not 10 minutes, you false Duke. You who lord over these people like a stupid tyrant. I am, I am not a duke here. I am a prince. Uh, yes. Who part? Which part is the prince? Is it the left arm or the right arm? You are not even one man. You are a jigsaw puppet man. Enough of this. Let me, and he steps forward to where the statue is. And he says, let us present our case. People of Lausanne, he says, this traitor has refused to cooperate with the duly assigned officers of the realm and that when he was summoned to present himself before the people's court of Lausanne, he did kick, scream, and protest mightily and thereby created an uproar in the street, to wit causing unnecessary troubles for officers assigned to conduct him uh, to this court. Such behavior aims at undermining the authority of my rule and represents a challenge to the law of my will. Were he innocent, he would be meek. Were he meek, he would be released in due course. These ancient precepts of my rule being violated, I call for the judge to find him guilty of this charge. Um, the statue makes no reply whatsoever. Uh, he then looks at you and just sort of. This 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 case makes a an assumption of logic, a false assumption of logic, that somebody in a distressing situation acting distress is an indication of subconscious guilt. This is not the case. There are plenty of instances where people feel stressed and alarmed, and that have nothing to do with guilt. His evidence and his accusation are have no standing. His prosecutor, yes. His prosecutor says he is duly assigned. Assigned by whom? By himself. He says it is a violation of will, but it is his will. I, I assert that the people of Lausanne are free from the will of this patchwork prince who is an imposter and a tyrant. This man is an innocent foreigner who comes here from a different realm. Ah, that brings up the second point, he says. 
the people of Lausanne, uh, the accused is a foreigner, as established by these gentlemen, his his uh, defenders, uh, and that his spirit uh, and and that that they cannot deny. Uh, there, the Englishman stands, living testimony to his guilt. We of Lausanne pride ourselves on our purity of blood. It is our strength and our glory, for it allows us to feel united under the common purpose of my will. His presence among us is like a cancer, drawing other foreign bodies, and he points at you, uh, into our realm. They must be cut down. Um, the crowd cheers wildly. Uh, Okay, well, by by, we have evidence that it was in fact your own prince who brought this man here. He has no interest in preserving purity, for he brought this supposed impurity. So, if anybody bears the guilt for this impurity being present, it is the prince. And in fact, the rest of us would not be here before you, as he said, unless if we are only here because he caused the trial to happen. And for that matter, your prince is here and torturing this man, persecuting this man, only to obtain something in another realm that is not his right little possession. He is using the good people of Lausanne and this free land as a, as a, uh, a tool against this uh, beleaguered foreigner who should be sent back to his own home. People of Lausanne, we accuse this treacherous enemy before us with the possession of forbidden knowledge. Who knows what secrets a foreigner hides, and yet hides them he does. The guilty man before us today, seeking only to deceive us, seeking only by his own devious advancement and not the advantage of his prince or his people, entered our sacred realm in possession of that which only I, as ruler, may obtain. What does he plot? Why such concealment? Why hide cunningly that which is mine by fiat? Uh, there must be some devious reason to do so. He must be punished, for he has secreted the scroll somewhere within this princely realm like a mine ready to explode beneath our foundations. Were he to bring forth the scroll, I should have uh, reason for clemency. But he persists in deceit. He mocks and de despises my suzerain will. I call upon the judge to consider the crimes of the accused and to determine him guilty as charged. Where is the evidence that he has brought anything? I know that he has brought brought something into our realm and refuses to return it over. You, you know he brought it, but you don't know where it is? He has concealed it. How do you know? Suffice it to say that I know this because of things he said outside this realm to me in private. So again, you're bringing things from an impure realm and you're, you've based your case on an a bed of purity, and here you here you are again, disrupting it yourself. 
Why are you here? Have you not come looking for exactly the same thing? We took the path that you laid before us. You were the one that brought Edgar. I am not on trial here, sir. You should not be leading a trial of any kind. Your will is uh, uh, not the natural uh, ruler of this land. This is why the sky is this color and the people are so unhappy. You are a false leader. You are not the prince here, rightfully. Your statements are irrelevant to this case. Are you finished with your defense? Who made you the prince here? I did. Ah, yeah. And how is this? Why, why not? Can anyone not make themselves a prince here? Because I made this realm. This is a world that you made for yourself. And it is a one that I rule. And how but did Edgar come it? here? You, you, Once again, I'm not on trial here. Are you finished with your defense? But you, you Are we ready to let here? And yet we need the judge to decide things. To make it impartial. But if the judge is the one who has absolute authority over this case in an impartial manner, then his authority supersedes yours. I declare that your arguments are now over. We shall see whom Otto, the grandson, has decided is the winner. Otto, who is the winner? And for a moment, the statue does nothing, but it raises up its stump hand because it has no hands. Seems to be kind of dripping now with liquid. And it turns suddenly towards you and points at you. And the people gasp. And uh, the Jigsaw Prince takes a step back. And as he does, the chains on Edgar suddenly snap and fall to the ground. And Edgar stands up and he says, I, uh, and Edgar's like, oh, you, you, you did it. And the, the, the prince has kind of gone, uh, he looks like he's trying to formulate idea in his head. You guys do. Um, well, 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 he's bamboozled. Um, he bought the hat and just. <laughs> um, and while uh, he's bamboozled, I'm going to try, try and like uh, get the mob mentality as the crowd's kind of shocked. Start starts trying to get a couple of people yelling with me. A fa- the false prince has been exposed. Oh, if you try that, the people right next to you turn immediately towards you with hatred in their eyes, like they're going to beat you to death next, um, which you can tell immediately it's not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, uh, what did you do with that hat? I want to <laughs> thrust it onto the... Um... Never mind, because if we kill this guy or try to, this crowd's going to tear us to pieces. So in the confusion, I want to just usher Edgar and roll okay. him down an alley. <laughs> he's uh, he's, he's a little little dazed, uh, but he's smiling. He's got you. You've kind of wrapped him and you're going and the crowd's getting out of your way as you're going. Um, but yeah. Otto has spoken. Otto has spoken. You heard this, you saw the miracle, Otto has spoken. Um, 
just as you get to the edge of the crowd and you start to move away, probably fairly rapidly, the streets are empty. The streets are only filled you know, back in the crowd. You hear the prince say something like, wait, we weren't thinking clearly. Justice has only partially been, been served here. Those are his compatriots, and they also are foreigners. It's a foreign conspiracy. Um, We're gone. We're in the wind. <laughs> the wind. <laughs> uh, get them. I wish to. Ch- I, I wish to question all of them. He yells out, and the crowd starts to turn in your direction. Of course, by now you guys are yeah running. Um, where are you going to run to? The taxidermist shop is where he said he hit the damn thing. <laughs> That's where we need to go. Okay. Um, so you get to the, the taxidermist shop and the door is open. And as you go inside, <laughs> you can all do constitution rolls <gasps> from the horrific smell and the fact that there is all your service bait in the door unimaginable. What? And everybody's up to their up to their <laughs> Okay, hips I'm and... gonna throw up. That's a 66. <laughs> nice. Oh <Okay>. four <laughs> for roll. Ah, yeah. on me. Um Edgar Edgar stumbles in and he looks around and he says, he sees what you've done. And he's like, no, 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 the bear. And he points at the bear. Um, uh, he himself will go over to where the bear is. And it's, it's, you don't need to cut it open. It's, uh, it's not in very good shape. But he reaches his hand into the tummy of the bear. He goes all the way up to his shoulder, fiddling around. And he pulls out a uh, large black dripping leather case. And he goes, this is it. We need to get out of here. Yeah, I take the case from him. We found okay. an exit. Come on, upstairs, upstairs. <laughs> all right. And, and way up. <laughs> so you all run upstairs. As you can hear the thunderous sound of the people running down the street, coming towards the, the taxidermy shop. Um, you get to the big door upstairs, and you can see the desert through it, open it, but you can see that your building is quite a distance away. This is a different door than that first door. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? You run? Yeah, we'll go, we'll go through it and use the, yeah. use the hat to get rid of the door behind us. <laughs> um, the hat doesn't seem to do anything. Mm-hmm. At this point, it just seems like a regular hat. I'm gonna leave it and just keep running. All right, cute idea. Uh, so you're running, and you you you're running across the close the door behind us because okay. we assume the Duke does not know. Uh, the sand is difficult to run in; it it sucks at your feet. But um, guys, managed to cross the distance. Uh, you get to your hotel, and. Uh, uh, it's exactly the set, the way you left it. You run upstairs, and when you when you get up to the top of the stairs, um, and you come back to your room, it it seems like when you're looking at the beds uh, in the room or the couches that you can see the indentations of where your bodies would be in the real world. Uh, what do you do? Okay, first, I want to check the case. Is the scroll in there? There is a scroll inside of it, yes. Okay. 
So as long as I have that, then I will go lay down where I'm supposed to be lying down. Yep, same. Okay. Is Edgar still with us? Oh, he's still with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's, let's find a clear space for Edgar. Maybe on the floor. Yeah, Edgar, you be you sit okay. over there. Okay. You can wake up over Gun- there. Gunther, do you still have your rope? He never had the. No, rope. he never got it. Never made it. <laughs> oh, his, he never his his stuff didn't come through with it. Do, do do we have anything to 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 like tie that scroll, wrap it up tight in Gabriel's hands? I am. It's, it's because in, I don't the want the chance to, to be dropped. No, I am. Not. I am hugging. I am hugging this case. To, but you will fall asleep, and you may drop it though. As soon as you lean back to get into the spot where your body is, um, you you can feel everything sort of go black. It it it's almost like popping a cork. You can feel yourself being drawn out of that closet and back into something else. And you open your eyes, um, uh, and you can see out the window that there's just the faintest glow of morning on the the far horizon, but you're back in Lausanne. Um, you all wake up at the same time. You you rise up, and I would like everyone to do sanity calls. Yeah. Because. Oh. And I fail. Fail. Okay. Is that good with us? Well, that's what I was going to say. In that moment that you wake up, the spot where Edgar was, you can see Edgar, but he looks like a ghost, like a shadow. And he's going, what? What's wrong? What? It's, I just have to wake up. And he starts clutching at his throat and fading away. And he just fades into nothingness. And you you can do a one D well, I'll just say two points of damage if you failed, one point if you didn't, to see Edgar with a look of absolute horror on his face as he doesn't actually get to come back. Poor man. Um, you check your watches. Uh you've got about an hour before the uh before the train leaves. Yeah, we're getting we're getting on that train. Get checked up. Around here. Pack up, we check out, out here. get in there. All right. Very quickly, you pack up. You tell the concierge everything is as handled. Uh, you, uh, it's uh, almost. It's going to leave at six. Um, almost six. Uh, you get on board the train. Uh, thank God. You know you don't you don't need any traffic or anything like that. Get on the train. Uh, the train begins to move. You guys get your stuff squared away in your rooms, your cabins. And the train begins to move towards uh, the mountains, towards the Simplon Tunnel, and eventually towards Milan. Um, you guys find that you have been completely drained of energy. You feel very tired. At the same time, you feel very hungry. Um, mm. Despite the blood and gore you saw a little while ago, you look really good like getting something to eat. Um, the dining car is, of course, open for breakfast. Um, 
you all go in and uh, sit down to breakfast. And you're sitting there having breakfast. Um, the waiter, uh, he goes to the table across from you, says, uh, uh, will, will you be dining alone, sir? And you hear this voice say, oh, no, I'm going to join friends. And as you hear that voice, it's the Duke as a song. And uh, he gets up out of his chair. He's now dressed like he was yesterday in an impeccable suit. And he moves his chair over and sets it down next to yours, next to your table. And he says, gentlemen, I want that scroll. Yes. Not, I'm not screwing around. I know that you probably managed to retrieve it. Uh, I would like it. Give it to me now. I would uh, like you to face charges in Lausanne for a double murder. Uh, the same charges that you'd be called upon. And who do you think they would believe, you or me? I have a great reputation in Lausanne. You are foreigner strangers who came into town, went to Wellington's you know, just, place, you know, and murdered him. Just tried this foreigner stranger thing on us in another place. I, uh, I have no animosity towards you, but I want that scroll. Yes, you should have purchased it a year ago before I did arrived. not know about it a year ago. He only told me about it two days ago. Yeah. Well, well, I'm I, very sorry for you. And as I told you, we wish to study it. And this couldn't, wouldn't have been a problem if you just let us study it. We weren't going to get in your way. He looks at his watch. She says, time's a waste. I need that scroll or you can face my wrath. You think that I have only power in that realm? I have power here as well. No. Um, I what? Do you still have the fake scroll? Yes. Yes, we brought it away, wrapped in a towel to be safe. Duke doesn't know what it looks like, so <laughs> I've just never seen the scroll. Uh, if you you drive, I guess if I I if roll and I make the scroll. It knowing, but... You you have five minutes to fetch the scroll for me, or oh I don't know. And he looks over at Gunter and goes like this. And Gunter, you suddenly feel like you can't breathe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, you've made your point. Duke, uh, you will best allow us to discuss for a moment. Uh, perhaps if you, I, I will, excuse me for a moment. Quickly. I will bring the object. Five minutes, no more. Yeah. All right. No, you can't leave because... <laughs> we'll you can send one person go. to fetch the scroll. All right, Roland. So I I took it out of the oven. I wrapped it in a kitchen, you know, apron or something, right, for preservation. It doesn't have any ink on it. I'm trying to think what I can do. Oh, did you? Uh, did the did the scroll come back alone, or did it come back in the case? Uh, it came back in the case. Um, I'm going to give you this. You had the chance 
to look at it. And what you had was a scroll. It seems to all be written in Arabic. There seem to be um, pictures that have been placed on it. It's made out of, you're pretty sure, human skin. Uh, all of the illustrations are of torture. Um, but in addition to the scroll, there is a complete translation, which Edgar admits in his journal that he had made some, some time ago. That's how he knew about the Zenith Carson Black. So you also have the translation. Hold up with it. So I go back to our conjoined cabins. Mm -hmm. I take the proper scroll out of the bloody gory case. It's been wiped down, but it's, probably yeah, it's not blood and gory in the scroll. So. I mean, if the outside didn't come through the dream, gross. Right, correct. Okay. Um, I unwrap the false scroll, roll it up, and put it in the case. Uh, if uh, Is there something ashy or sooty that's handy from some part of the... There's no fires on board. Right. But... There might be dust or dirt, not, not much, not not very much, but it's a very tidy train. Uh, ashtrays, maybe. I yeah, can't maybe ashtrays. Or, or depending on the curve of the train, oh, perhaps if I hold it outside, I can catch a little soot and ash from the air. Probably not. Yeah, it's yeah. probably overkill. All right. Um, well, huh? we're we're gonna try to. You're gonna put it in the case. I'm going to put it back in the case that came from the dreamlands and I'm going to bring it forward with great resentment and reserve. Okay. So, um, the Duke basically scolds you and he's like, not you in particular, but all the other people yeah. while you're doing that, it's like, why would you ever think that you could get away with anything in my realm, my personal realm? You're, you're fools to think that I'm not, uh, as powerful as I claim to be. About that time, Roland comes back and holds out the case. And, and the Duke looks at you and he says, finally, and he grabs a hold of it. And he doesn't bother to open it up. Uh, he looks at his watch again and he says, I'm almost out of time. Well, gentlemen, uh, uh, consider our deal over. And he reaches into his uh, suit he pulls out a rope. It looks like it's made out of horsehair, and it's red, and it's tawny, and it's about three feet across. And he says, au revoir. And he flips it up and over his head, and as it falls to the ground, he vanishes. Whoa. And the rope vanishes with him. Hmm. That's where we will end it for tonight. <laughs> Our players included Morgan Llewellyn, David Gassaway, Stuart Lively, Keith Craig, Josh Harwood, and John Hook, with yours truly as the Keeper of the Secrets. 
We have a Discord server where you can chat with our other members. You can set up private games and you can learn the finer arts of gameplay and game mastering. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. If you'd like to help support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answer any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming. Thank you.